0: Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian.
1: Hey, it's Wilfred And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind.
0: You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter.
1: And the Cheetah Girls movies.
0: Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic
1: movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hi, and welcome to the podcast. That's Ben over there. Whoa, whoa, Scott. You're Scott. I am. And you're changing it up. I changed it up. Yeah, it's the usual intro. You know, it, it's kind of got a rhythm to it, but uh-huh. I decided it was time for a little bit of a change.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um I am going to roll with it. All right. We'll switch it back next time. We'll switch it back. Th- okay, cool cuz you know how I fear change. I, <laughs> I do know that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, literally like quarters and nickels. I don't want to touch them. <laughs> that's a that's a true story. We're uh, uh we're starting out weird today, folks, but uh don't fret. We are still joined, of course, by our super producer team, uh, Tristan and Dylan. I'm going to call him Convoy Fagan. Oh, I love that word, Convoy. Yeah, man. I was listening to that song uh, sort of prepping for today's episode mm-hmm. like four or five times consecutively before we hopped in the studio. I'm pretty sure I know all the lyrics, and I don't know why I go through these phases sometimes, Scott, where I just have to watch the movie and listen to the song over and over again for like an afternoon.
1: Oh, absolutely. And that's just one of those words that like once it hits your, you know, your brain, uh, you remember, think of that movie or you think of that song or, you know, some type of memory attached to it. You know, if you haven't seen it, check it out because it's an, it's a good, it's a decent movie. I mean, I guess not a, not a great movie, but it's a good song.
3: Convoy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, uh, you yeah. know, thinking about this, that was really like one that I'd always sing along with when I was a kid in the car because it was on the radio at the time. I mean, if you want to date, uh, how long ago this was, but also the other one was, uh, Was it Rhinestone Cowboy? Uh That was another one. Yeah. Yeah, Right around the same time, I think. Uh, So (laughs) as a kid I love those songs. But um but today we were going to be talking about the trucking industry. And you know, we had kind of tossed around the idea of calling it trucking secrets or, you know, ten things you don't know about trucks or trucking. Um so our trucker friends are gonna say, well, this is all stuff I know, and that's 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 good because I mean, you know, they're they're immersed in the world of this. But but this podcast really is going to be for Everybody else, all the uh, all the sedan drivers, all the motorcycle drivers, all the people that don't have any seat time at the uh, behind the wheel in a big rig.
3: Because it's a very different world. And it's strange how pervasive the trucking industry is. Uh, This disclaimer is necessary. Our examination today explores the world of trucking in the United States. So there may be similarities to other parts of the world. But, uh, they're going to be, uh, there are also going to be some profound differences. Like Australia is a great example. Australia's trucking industry has one of the most interesting aspects of uh, trucking worldwide. Yeah, we'll call it trucking with a twist. Yeah. Road trains, man. And we have an episode about those. Check it out if you, if you haven't heard of this before. Road
1: trains are fascinating and the, the pictures, the photographs. Yeah. Even better.
3: Yeah, man. I feel like you could survive, uh, You could survive a Mad Max situation if you had a road train. (laughs) It seems like you could. It seems like you could build your own little world. It
1: kind of kind of feels like something out of a Mad Max movie, really. It really does. Yeah, eh, it's probably probably partially due to the terrain. You know, just the look. Like every time you see one of those, it's it's, that's why.
3: And the fact that to us these are amazing and unique because we've you know they're not a daily part of our lives. No, if we see a double trailer, it's like
1: what what is going on around here? Mm -hmm. What sort of strange (laughs) voodoo is this?
3: (laughs) But yeah, but uh regardless of whether it's double trailer single trailer it is almost impossible to hop in a car here in the states and and drive without seeing a semi
1: yeah and we had uh, we had talked off air about how you know trucks appear at the strangest places too it's not sure. we're, we're not talking about just semis these are all kinds of trucks but but semis in particular in this case when you uh, you're on a small back road and suddenly the semi truck passes you and you think, what, what is that person doing on this road? Why are they here? I yeah. never see semis back here, but, uh, there's a reason. We'll briefly touch we'll on into that, into that later. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, if you're on the interstate or freeway system here in the United States, you're guaranteed to see, you know, it seems like trucks are everywhere. I mean, yeah. And there's a good reason behind that. I mean, um, you know, we we've discussed other forms of transporting goods and services. Sure. Uh, not service goods,
3: I guess. Like air cargo and uh cargo boats.
1: Yeah, and and rail, of course. And rail. That's another one. But um but but trucking falls into the sweet spot of where, you know, it's not quite as expensive as air freight. It's not mm-hmm. quite as slow as it's it's faster than rail transport. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, of course, boat i you know, traveling by uh cargo ship or something like that, that has its own you know, um special set of circumstances. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's all location, it's, right? It's its
3: own world. Mm-hmm. Like if these various modes of transport were the Justice League, I know I'm <laughs> going through a comic book phase too, man. If if they were, you know, all superheroes in the Justice League, then the cargo ships are very much Aquaman. Well and like they're useful in very in, in a specific situation. <laughs> and plus, I mean bad comic book references aside, the truth of the matter is that Right now, trucking provides the most agile transportation solution.
1: Well, sure. And look at those cargo ships. I can't let this pass without (laughs) saying it. The cargo ships are stacked, you know, what, seems like 20 levels high with what is essentially the back end of the semi-truck. Right. You know, those containers, those mm-hmm. crates that they can stack on top of one another. So, really, the the cargo ship industry relies heavily on the trucking industry. And, you know, it, the trucking industry is kind of the go-between, the link between the other types of, of transport. Mm-hmm. So, trucking is a vital, vital part of of life in the United States and really all around the world. And, again, this this podcast is not necessarily going to open the eyebrow, you know, like raise the eyebrows... Mm-hmm. Of any trucker, they're not going to say like, oh, I didn't know that. All the truckers know what we're going to talk about and they know more about it than we do because we're just, you know, casual observers, I guess, in this case. Uh, but we're trying to get some of this information out there for the people that have to, and I'll say deal with, but deal with trucks on the, on the highway every day mm-hmm. because there's a lot of situations where – Truckers may do something that seems unusual to you and I. Right. But there's a reason behind what they do. They've got, they have training that tells them to do that. And that's why that happens. And, and I've got a list of, there's about eight or so different things Mm -hmm. that I want to get to at some point today. But there's, there's more to it, to the story than just, you know, these unusual behaviors. Uh, we're also going to talk about some things that, you know, just a lot of people like, you know, again, people in sedans, people in motorcycles, people in, uh, you know, just fan, the family, Minivan or whatever, right? Like they don't understand or don't don't know what's really going on inside that cab.
3: We want to thank the listeners who wrote into us over the years. It's weird that I say it that way, but it's accurate, uh, especially. William H, who wrote in recently asking us about how semi trucks work and, you know, sort of the origin stories of those companies, uh, like Freightliner and, and Mac and so on.
1: And you and I have talked about this particular email because there have been a few of them over the years again yeah. that, that have come in to say like, Hey, I'd like to hear about Kenworth. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to find out about that company. And, and honestly, what we'll do is we will, uh, we'll look into several of these trucking companies because we've done, just truck episodes you know like just how trucks came about or pickup trucks right, and right. Uh, other things like that and um but to find we want to find a story that's uh, that's actually a you know it's got some twists and turns in it kind of like the U-Haul story maybe mm-hmm. um or you know something like that where there's a, there's a point where things turn a different way than you might expect so yeah uh, we want to find something like that something that, that grabs you so we're going to really dig into to that and uh, and find a good example to to cover uh, as far as how semi-trucks work i mean that might get into some complex things like you know the the uh the gearboxes and the engines and the sizes and the the manufacturers and uh the histories and stuff like that but um right now this is not that in depth this is going to be more like um I don't know. There's some surprising things to sedan drivers. Do you
3: remember the those old PSAs with the, the more, you know, logo? Oh, yeah. This is going to be like the more, you know, uh, about trucking secrets. <laughs> but to establish this, uh, we want to open with some stats on the industry as a whole. And these come from the American Trucking Association. In 2014, there were 31.4 million trucks registered and used for business purposes, excluding governments and farm work, right? Yeah, that's a lot of trucks. That's a lot of trucks. But check this out, Scott. In 2014 alone, these trucks drove a total of 279.1 billion miles.
1: Billion with a B. Billion with a B. That is also a lot of miles, a lot of trucks, a lot of miles. And, you know, I think we should point out here right now mm. that to be in the trucking industry, you don't necessarily have to drive a semi truck or a tractor trailer. That's true. Uh, so, you know, this could be somebody who drives a school bus or the mailman or a FedEx delivery person or uh, tow trucks or, you know, they're, they're everybody who's driving a truck to haul goods in some way is a trucker. They're in the trucking industry. And that's a, that's a huge group of people. Way bigger than I thought. There was a, um, an article written by, um, a person named Anna Kleiner over at Concentra of all places. That's a healthcare provider. Right. They, they wrote an article about trucking. And, uh, and they said that about 15% of American employees work in trucking. And I thought that, that can't be right. 15% of all workers in the United States work somehow in the trucking industry. Now, I would guess that's, you know, dispatch or maybe it's in, um, you know, truck maintenance or it's they're not all truck drivers. But 15 percent is a high percentage. Right. So, you know, th- these are the people that, you know, are responsible for safe, fast delivery of things that you use every single day. And that, again, that includes mailmen or mail. Persons, I guess, maybe mm-hmm. I should say. Uh, anybody that's dri- delivering something from Amazon. Sure. Uh, unless it's a, you know, a car, I guess. Maybe that's the it's one not, exception because uh, I've seen that too. But, um, th- there are so many examples of truck drivers out there. People that are delivering furniture, people that are, that are delivering, uh, food, you know, from, from, you know, like the farm right to right. The, the grocery store. Hey, you know what? One quick, uh, side yeah. note. Yeah. I tried farming for a little while. No, just you, for, did you really? For a short time, I had set up a like a small farm. It was an organic farm, and I, I tried it for a couple of years, but there was this, like the, the hardest part to me, Ben, and this is why I and eventually gave it up, is because I just had a, a difficult time getting up every single morning. I had to milk all those almonds, and it was really, really rough on me. I, what? What?
3: Oh, man. It, uh you you know, yeah. I did want to say this, but you, you kinda of have the look of a of a frustrated almond farmer. <laughs> Those tiny did, little never, never mind. You had me going for a second. man. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I would man. be surprised. You're a man of mystery. Well I, would, yeah. I wouldn't put it past you to have a murky past in the farm industry <laughs> of almond milking. <laughs> Driven out of Michigan <laughs> for uh for almond uh almond fraud. Uh is maybe. That a, is that a a crime?
1: I don't know. I don't know, but uh, maybe it should be.
3: So, let's look at it this way. We said 15% of American employees. Another way to look at this is one in 7 US jobs are I prefer the term associated with trucking. Yeah. So, you can work in the trucking industry and not actually be driving the rig. You might, for instance, um be someone who works with logistics or supply chains, mm-hmm. both of which are crucial. You might broker transportation deals. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would argue even if you're loading trucks with stuff from a cargo ship, that counts as working in trucking.
1: I think it kind of does. Yeah. I mean, so associated with is probably a better way to look at this whole thing. And so, Ben, here's another situation, I guess, another number where uh, you're going to have to – really uh I don't, I don't know maybe take into account where you're hearing statistics from. you know who, who they're coming from right because yeah, yeah. Um, the tr- we said this before that the trucking industry will say that uh, they're responsible for shipment of most goods in the United States mm-hmm. and and the the rail industry will say they're responsible for the, the for the lion's share mm-hmm. of the goods across the nation and these numbers can be kind of skewed a little bit either way uh, not a lot but a little bit it really
3: way. depends on how each organization, defines the parameters of yeah. their situation well right? exactly
1: right i mean there's going to be qualifiers with every mm-hmm. single one of these but but in this article again from the concentra article which again we'll, we'll get off the concentra article in just a moment but uh <laughs> one of the numbers that they they state here is that 80 percent or more than 80 percent of american communities depend on trucking for delivery or trucks for delivery and i believe that number because uh that's again that's clothing that's groceries that's uh, you know books that's sure. products like uh you know Cooking products, um, mm-hmm. furniture, whatever it happens to be. Uh, so you know, we had said also Ben that uh, you know you can't really like drive down to the the train depot and pick stuff up right off the train. And throw yeah, it in your own car typically. and take it home. You can't go to the airport and, and grab something, you know, box off the plane and load it into your minivan and drive it home. <laughs> it requires trucking in between. So trucking does play a huge role in, in some yeah. of, even some of the other types of transport. But everything that you order has to be packaged, shipped and delivered, you know, from the distributor to your doorstep. So, you know, you, you probably do rely on trucks more than you think when you really consider Every aspect of this, you know, I mean, 80 percent of American communities depend on trucks for delivery. Mm -hmm. I believe that number.
3: Yeah, I believe that, too, especially since we're defining trucking as including anything associated. So more than just long haul semi trailers, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in some cases, it's a short distance. Other times, you know, like rural communities. Things are being trucked mm-hmm. a much greater distance to get to them. Like, let's say they fly into the main hub, you know, here in Atlanta. Yeah. And they have to fly out to, uh, you know, somewhere, you know, distant. Let's say it's, uh, and not too distant, but let's say it's, um, uh, I don't know, Helen, Georgia. Okay. You know, so it's up in the mountains. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but it takes them three hours to get there or whatever. Uh, that's a, that's a truck ride to get there. So, you know, that's X number of miles that's, that it's driven by truck and that, that community would rely on trucking. So it's again, it's kind of a gray area. You know, it can were, get slippery.
3: Yeah, it can. I would like to, um, I would like to explore this great article we found, which was from a comedy website. Ah,
1: <laughs> I, know, I know the one you're going for. Yeah,
3: yeah. But this was uh, you found this one too. Um, this was a list <laughs> of quote terrifying things. Only truckers know about the highway. This is not a um, safe for work article, I yeah. guess. Depending on where you work,
1: yeah, not so much family friendly, maybe. If you want to put it that way, this is uh, this is maybe it's PG thirteen, I would say, yeah. but uh, but a strong PG thirteen.
3: Yeah, yeah, but uh, don't worry, we'll we'll, we'll make clean sure it up. We'll keep it classy. Yeah, we'll clean it up a little bit. So we'll just walk through this real quick because if you are you know driving a, a sedan on daily basis uh you might not know about these things that truckers routinely encounter mm-hmm. sure so the first one they come right out of the gate with this one Scott the first one is that multiple truckers and I can confirm this cuz one of my uncles uh runs a trucking company multiple truckers see people behaving in sexually inappropriate ways while they're driving yeah
1: various stages of undress sure that kind of thing yeah. And uh, and at all times of day, all times of night, all kinds of people, all kinds of people, <laughs> some alone, some with
3: other people, mm-hmm. all kinds of things. So that's that's the thing that um, first off, I feel like it's risky to check your phone at a stoplight. I don't know how these people are pulling this <laughs> thing off. You know, I, I don't know, Ben. Uh, there's, <laughs> uh, you know,
1: I, there's a lot I'd like to say right here, but I probably shouldn't. We're a family show. Yeah, exactly. So I think. Some people are just a little bit more comfortable with uh, with that, uh, you know,
3: they'd be okay checking their phone at the light, of course. Sure, I'm sure that's uh, of course. not something that they fret about. No. But there's, there's an important thing here because due to just the, the height of the cab, yeah. what I think a lot of people in sedans don't realize is that it is very, very easy for a driver or a passenger and a semi to see everything that's going on in the vehicles next to them
1: everything and if you if you doubt this take a look online do whatever kind of word search you want to do for this <laughs> and and you'll see a view from their vantage point and you will be surprised at just how much they can see into your vehicle now tinted windows or not doesn't matter mm-hmm. it's there's there's well different times of day play into that as well you know the sunlight etc. Sure. but um some people are in it for in, in it to be seen and other people are trying to be a little bit more secretive about it. Uh but in both cases, um, you know, it's it's seen either way.
3: I don't want to sound like a prude. No. But can't you wait till you get home? <laughs> or like there there are motels everywhere. Yeah, just uh man, I don't know. But you know, but here's the here's, Have a cold drink or something. Yeah. Relax. <laughs> right. Take a walk, take yeah. a lap. Yeah, yeah. But uh here's here's one of the things though. This sounds like maybe one of those folklore urban legend type events that's perhaps more widely reported than it actually occurs. However, apparently it's so common that uh, some truckers say one of the easy ways to spot a rookie driver or a newbie trucker is when they start blowing up the radio, blowing up the CB, uh, saying, Oh, whoa, watch out. These people are messing around in this car. Because they don't understand how common it is. Because
1: it's just happening everywhere. It's like, oh, it's just old hat at this point, right? <laughs>
3: right. Yeah. It's old hat. Yeah. Uh, so here's another one that's less... I got that saying right, didn't I? It's old yeah, hat at yeah, this point, right? Yeah, you got it.
1: Oh, wow. That's, that's was,
3: one for me. Well done, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you you knocked that one out of the park. Although I have to admit... I don't know where old hat comes from. Now, neither do I. I imagine exactly. it's literally an older hat. I'm sure it's a
1: very old saying.
3: <laughs> I'm sure it's very <laughs> old hat is old hat now. <laughs> um, here's another one that's a little more family friendly, but definitely more important, uh, for any driver. Yeah. People should know this. Sure.
1: And this is one that we had talked about just briefly in the very intro. And I said, remember when, you see that truck on the road that you don't think belongs on that type of road, you know, a smaller road. Yeah, what are you doing you know, on
3: this mountain with these switchbacks?
1: Yeah, well, it happens. And, and some of the reason why that happens now, okay, so there could be the reason that, you know, a, there's a local delivery. They have to be there. They have to, uh, you know, it's a moving van, and they're moving someone into a neighborhood, and mm-hmm. they have to go down this road to get to it. That that happens all the time. Or it's, you know, a, a grocery store or something that's kind of out of the way. It's a rural community. Right. Uh, this is a pass-through, but you don't normally see them. It's It's infrequent. You know, other times the problem is uh, GPS, GPS that a lot of trucking uh, companies require their drivers to use because it takes them the shortest route in, you know, every situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the GPS doesn't always know that, you know, that that kind of go between road, the one between the two main highways that you're trying to, to cross is something that is really uh, almost impossible to navigate with, you know, a 60 foot long trailer. Right. If not impossible to navigate. So they often get stuck in bad situations, you know, like a, a, a turn that they can't make without knocking over a lamp pole. Um, it happens or, you know, they, um, drive through a small town where there's just not enough room for that type of truck on the road. And, you know, they take up more than their lane. You know, it's a, it's an older town with narrow lanes and, and it just makes everybody, uh, you know, I will, I I'll say suffer, but it's not really suffering. It's an inconvenience for other people. Uh, but that happens too. So, uh, it's not always the trucker's fault that they get put in these bad situations. No, like, no. As this guy says, uh, this article says here in, in Cracked, it says, um, <laughs> consider that truck as like a spider, uh, someone that's probably more afraid of you than you are of them, because uh, they really shouldn't be on that road. And they know they shouldn't be on that road. They'll probably get a ticket if they're caught on that road. Right. Uh, because, you know, the weight limits or whatever. But GPS inadvertently led them to that road. And, you know, what are you going to do at that point? You can't
3: throw it in reverse and back up to the highway. Mm, you have and, to find your way out. And that goes to a bigger thing that we'll explore in a little more depth, which is how tight the timetables can be.
1: Yeah. So GPS plays heavily into
3: this. Right. Let's see. We talked about sexual inappropriateness. We talked about ending up on the wrong roads. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one thing that we've heard a lot of rumors about, which would be, what's the best way to say it, Scott? Like the, the criminal underbelly. Of trucking. Well, you're talking about like drug dealers, right?
1: And um, prostitution. Yep. And uh, I guess, well, not just the dealers, but the people that are buying the drugs, people mm-hmm. that are using the drugs. Uh, and these, this all happens at truck stops. It happens at rest stops. It happens, uh, you know, just about anywhere that truckers gather. And I don't know. I don't think it's really, boy. How do, how do I want to put this? It's not that everybody does this, of course.
3: No, it's just that uh, often. People who are trucking professionals have I- encountered or like seen this stuff happening. Sure. So it's, it's around, you know, we, we looked at a little bit of the statistics about how law enforcement approaches this, mm-hmm. but the truth of the matter is it's going to continue. Now you shouldn't believe any fiction on television, right? Inspired by this sort of Crime associated with truck stops because it's probably going to be sensationalized and alarmist, you yeah, know, sure. but it, it is a fact. Yeah, it's readily
1: available. You know, all of the things that we've talked about are readily available at these at these lots and uh, and some choose to partake and some choose not to partake. And, um, you know, it's funny <laughs> You know, you've, you've heard tales of, uh, have you know, truckers using meth to stay awake for long, long periods of time to get across, uh, you know, the, the whole country in one right. shot. Uh, I think I've heard, you know, tales of, of, of bike gangs doing the same thing, you know, so they can go from, you know, east coast to west coast or vice versa. Um, sure that probably happens, but it, it's not the, uh, it's not the common, I guess. It's not the, right. uh, it's not the, it's not the rule. They're probably the exception to the rule. They're not the rule. Maybe mm-hmm. that's the best way to put it.
3: Yeah. And there's, there's another thing. And this I think is crucial and inspiring. Mm -hmm. This is probably one of the most unappreciated jobs in, in the U S or at least I would say under, yeah, undervalued because as, as we have said, these people are literally the reason you are able to buy stuff in a store. Yeah. Whatever the store is, doesn't usually matter. Um, and there's a, there's a high demand for truckers at this point. Oh,
1: sure. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, just about every truck that you pass has a, a sign on that says, we're hiring. Here's a phone number to call. But what that means is there's also likely a high rate of turnover. And we'll, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But this gets, we're, we're kind of undercutting what our number two item on this list is here. And that is that it's surprisingly easy to get a trucking license. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't think so. You wouldn't think that that'd be something that's simple to get. But do you remember the old, uh, you know, the, the commercials on television? I don't know if they still do these or not. but where you can oh, buy, to get your CDL? Yeah, you can get your CDL, but you can also get a degree in welding or sewing or, uh-huh. you know, whatever. And they listed, you know, 50 different professions that you can get a degree in in something like two weeks or four weeks or whatever it was, mm-hmm. maybe six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's surprisingly easy to get a trucking license from uh, a diploma mill as these truckers in this article call it right (laughs) called a trucking school and i guess that's the most basic form of education that you can get for this type of job is is a truck go to a trucking school just get a quick diploma and you're on the road but a lot of just so that this is clear Mm -hmm. a lot of trucking companies will then require further training of their drivers because they don't want somebody that just came out of a trucking school that only has you know x number of weeks of training or x number of hours of of on-road experience Mm -hmm behind the wheel of their big rig and and understandably so i mean they're carrying let's say they're carrying a half a million dollars worth of uh you know product on in the back end who knows yeah. how much that that big rig costs and the, you know the the uh, the tractor trailer part of it so you know it makes sense that they would want their employees to have more training sure the problem is that there's a huge rate of turnover in this job mm-hmm. as well i know mean, an extremely high number shockingly high number
3: yeah yeah. Lay it on me. 97% turnover. It's insane. Especially when you consider, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Scott, but I'm a big believer in experience. I think experience goes much further than, you know, in school training. Yeah. So a lot of, a, a lot of folks who are listening now who are experienced truckers, uh, probably do notice behaviors that Newer truckers exhibit that they're probably gonna have to get rid of over time, but ninety seven percent, ninety
1: seven percent, and I think that what this takes into account is that you know, there, sure, there's some companies that you know, uh, guys or girls will will sign on with early on and stay their whole career with them, you know, that they'll 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 go from end to end. The, the ones that they're talking about are the, uh, the you know the companies that are are more about um, you know cutting costs. You know, they want uh, they want to. Or that they would feel more comfortable, I guess, if mm-hmm. you can call it this, putting unexperienced drivers on the road where you think that would be more trouble than it's worth, but it but it's not to them the way they see it is they want to keep the cost low. so they're they're willing to hire these inexperienced drivers in order to just get the bodies on the road and get the product there, right. even if that means that they lose a truck here or there or they have some incidents on the road. I mean, that's that's not the greatest way to think about it, obviously. Um, the other thing is that you know, fuel is a huge expense. so, you know, one one solution that they've come up with is to make the CDL, you know, um, just really really easy to attain, and then the the wages that they can pay these unexperienced drivers is extremely low. You know, you can get that CDL easy, and then you can get into a trucking job that pays very very low. But they don't really care. They just want to get the product there. And again, mm-hmm. they'll kind of wipe all these incidents under the, uh, under the rug for as long as they can and then just get a new batch of young and experienced drivers in. And, and it's a, a terrible system. And, and some of the, again, some of the older truckers, as you said, don't like seeing this trend happen. But again, a 97% turnover. And that's, they said that that's after the numbers have dropped a little bit. This was back in 2013. I think these numbers come from. I don't know. The, the way they put it in the article is that that means that statistically speaking, Every driver you see is both new on the job and about to quit at the same time.
3: Oh, wow. I didn't think about
1: that. Yeah. So that means that a lot of these new drivers that you see on the road are more preoccupied with thinking about their next career move uh, than whether you're currently inside their wheel well. That's how they put it in the article. Oh, wow. So, you know, like they're, they're more focused on what's going on outside of the, the cab than what's going on inside the cab. And that's not a good place to be.
3: This leads to an immediate question, which is why is that turnover rate so high? And we will answer it, at least partially, after a word from our sponsor.
2: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
1: Jean, Eugene Fodor. Jean will book it.
2: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you ride Ze books Jean and Fodor on C business. I understand now.
1: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math and Magic: Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future, like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone the studios didn't really control the theaters, the theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenney, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at at and who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar.
2: It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson.
0: In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your
1: podcast. And we're back. And Ben, you had kind of hinted that we were going to talk about maybe, uh, maybe an answer to, you know, to, to why that's happening.
3: Yes. It turns out that overwhelmingly truckers are paid by the mile and this is quote insanely dangerous i agree (laughs) the authors make the case here that trucking differs from a lot of other careers because it's really tough to to project how much money you're actually going to make because you're paid by how far you go not how much time you spend driving
1: yeah well yeah Okay, there's there's some rule restrictions or or I should say hour restrictions yes. that uh, the that truck drivers have. And uh if you want, I can talk about those for just a moment. Yeah, please do. All right, so I got uh the, the latest set of stats here, the latest um set of figures that will tell us how long a trucker can be on the road from a place called the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration or FMCSA. You can look these up online. The the version that I'm looking at was updated on March 9th of 2017, so it's very recent. And there's a couple of different hours of service rules that apply to different types of trucking. Now we had said you know trucking encompasses a lot of different types of trucks, right? Mm-hmm. Not just uh, not just over the road haulers, you know that are that sure. are on the road all night in semis, tow trucks. Yeah, it's everything. Passenger carrying drivers. So you know if you're driving a uh, a charter bus or something like that too. So mm-hmm. there's two different categories for service rules. There's property carrying drivers, and then there's passenger carrying drivers. For property carrying drivers, the semis that we see on the on the highway, they are limited to eleven hours of driving time. That's maximum. Uh, and that's every day. They can drive eleven hours, but that's only after ten consecutive hours off duty. So there, there are these uh yeah, restrictions that are put on not only just the number of hours you can drive, but, but the restrictions are also on how much time you have to have in between. You can't break that up into a different way. So like you, you drove 11 hours, but, uh, that was after, you know, three hours and then a two hour break and then another three hours and another one hour break. And you can't, you can't chop it up that way. Um, now for passenger carrying drivers, they have a 10 hour drive in limit, you know, maximum per day. And that's after eight consecutive hours off duty. And then Ben, there's another couple of, uh, of line items here that I want to mention that, that go along with the property carrying and the passenger carrying that I think we should mention. I'll read it, but I think that the way I've got it, um, kind of picked apart in my mind is, is right, but I, you tell me if you think you agree. Alright. Alright, so there's, there's also a 14 hour limit on property carrying drivers, but that is, um, okay, here's what it says. The driver may not drive beyond the fourteenth consecutive hour after coming on duty following ten consecutive hours off duty. Off duty time does not extend the fourteen hour period. So what? here's what I think that means. And I, I may be getting this right or might be getting this wrong. I think what they're talking about is, you know, downtime when you're waiting at the dock somewhere.
3: Mm. I think that
1: you uh you know are allowed a certain amount of time to wait while you know someone unloads your truck and then you get back on the road. So that that I think is what what plays into this um uh, for passenger carrying drivers that's a 15 hour limit again i think that this means if you drop somebody off at a stop like say you take a tour group to a museum and then okay. you have to wait for them for 4 or 5 or 6 hours i think that that extends the amount of time that you're allowed to be on the road because you've had that break in between hmm. but i i could be wrong i hope i'm not reading this right again it's it's a law that i'm not familiar with i just read about it this morning and thought i would bring it in here because you know the 11 hour driving limit with the 10 hours off for for property and then 10 hour driving limit with 8 hours off for, for passenger seems to be just kind of the general, general rule that everybody follows. So there has to be the rule they, every, they follow. Yeah. And they keep the, they keep logs that, that tell, you know, anybody that might pull them over, a police officer, you know, here's, here's my latest. And I, some of these are electronic as well. Mm-hmm. Electronic driving logs.
3: And this begins to show the tough situation that a lot of truckers are, are finding themselves in increasingly because You're pushing against the clock, you know, and you're also pushing against mileage. And especially if you're a contractor, you have existing overhead costs that you have to worry about. Like, let's not like we haven't even got into the cost of gas. and How that works out state by state. That's a huge one. Or the
1: limits placed on that. mm -hmm. Because there are certain states that only allow you to buy, you know, X number of gallons. I think California was listed as, you know, one that they can only buy 50 gallons of fuel in. That's the maximum.
3: Yeah, and that can go pretty fast, right? Yeah. Let's put some hard numbers behind this. Okay. Uh, the American Trucking Association, again, this is one of the best resources for this information. Uh, in 2016, it looked like the, the labor shortage was going to be up to 48,000 drivers. And over the next 10 years, that could bloom to 170,000. Whoa which automatically poses a threat to multiple aspects of the American economy. Sure. Yeah, of course it
1: does. Those are huge numbers. And Ben, I, I think this would be a good place to mention here that, you know, we're talking about all these rules and regulations that, that apply to truckers. And there there are a lot of truckers that don't follow the rules because they, they realize they won't make enough money to keep themselves on the road any longer. So uh, they feel they feel that if they don't kind of – skirt the edge of the of the rule they don't bend the rules a little bit uh-huh. uh that they won't necessarily be able to make enough money to continue what they're doing what they love to do so uh you know some of these these rules and restrictions are are so restricting <laughs> that they're <laughs> that they're unable to continue on you know unless they they find a way around it some of them have resorted to methods of of cheating on some of these logs and you can find forums that talk about things like that again not everybody does this and we know that that's probably not the majority of people i bet right. the, the majority are on the level there's the minority of people that uh that, that do um you know try to uh, i guess say doctor the log books just a little bit even if it's an electronic log book and they find ways around it they find a way to you know to skirt the uh the law in a way that is profitable to them or to the company mm-hmm. allows them to stay on the road longer allows them to drive greater distances to haul bigger loads you know whatever it happens to be but um again not the majority that do that and i think you know one other thing is that you know with all this talk about how you know what drives them is you know they have got you know they're against the clock they're against the mileage they're against the the price of fuel they're against a lot of different things right yeah um you've heard rumors or tales of of you know companies that hand out um you know uppers to the drivers that are going to be on the road overnight along with their paycheck you know th- things like that you know like caffeine pills that uh you know keep them going sure um that's again the vast minority of of trucking industry or trucking companies I suppose that would do mm-hmm. something like that uh, most of them again are on the up and up and they want their the drivers safe they want the products safe so they're going to take care of them in in whatever they have to, way they have to. So essentially, it's just a bad Apple situation. You know, there's there's one that spoils the whole group, but that's the one that gets the most press, right?
3: Right. Because the thing is, when you're doing a job like this correctly, then people aren't going to really hear about it. No. You know what I mean? The, the average, for instance, let's look at grocery stores, right? Uh, especially given that so much food is perishable, that is a very time-sensitive product to deliver. The average grocery shopper is not walking by the produce aisle and going, man, I'm sure glad that these people showed up on time. What they're doing is they're seeing maybe one story in the news about an isolated incident. Yeah. And then they're saying, oh, that is that is the rule. Or they're not
1: saying, uh, you know, man, this lettuce sure is wilted, but I'm glad the truck driver got here safe. They're not saying that. Unfortunately, they're not. Yeah, I mean, it's too bad that that's not the case, right? You know, like, mm-hmm. well, no one, no one was injured, but, uh, you know, this tomato looks like it's seen better days. <laughs> 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 Again, you know, truckers are, are sacrificing a lot, uh, you know, to, in order to get that stuff to you on time, and, and they're trying to do it in the safest way possible, so. Uh, Give them a little bit of leeway on the road. That's what we mean, really. Yeah. And you know what? There's a couple other things here that, uh, you know, some of the questions, I guess. You know, I said early on we were going to talk about some of the FAQs that people might have. You know, like when you're on the road, hey, why did that truck driver do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the question, right? And and let's talk about that in a moment right after a word from our sponsor.
2: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling – is choosing the right travel partner.
1: Gene Eugene Fodor. Gene, was we'll it.
2: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you hide the books, Gene, and vlastar on the business. I understand now. it's a wise man, uh, Marie is a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! <laughs>
0: Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's Dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry though, he's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: We're back. Scott, I'm glad you brought this up because, uh, let me tell you, man, uh, as longtime listeners know, we have been driving in Atlanta for years now and traffic can be insane. You know, we rants about turn signals. And following distance aside, it feels like it would be nerve wracking to be driving a rig through a downtown area in traffic just because of the way you see people cut off trucks constantly. Yeah. The way that. People will try to like edge into the blind spot don't get me started on those, uh, hyper milers. Well, <laughs> but see, here's the thing, like, you know, you, you
1: mentioned cutting them off. So, so truckers feel that, you know, cars don't give them courtesy. Cars feel that truckers don't give them courtesy. It's kind of this back and forth thing, but maybe, you know, this article that I, that I came across in a, in a place called truckingtruth.com and it's called, You know, why do truck drivers do that? That's the big question, I guess. (laughs) Why do they do that? And it's written by an experienced truck driver. His name, he goes by the name Trucker Mike on the site if you want to look up some of his other articles, but lots of experience. Uh, but it's kind of an honest view of the trucking industry and some friendly advice. And, and this article is more to, I think it's really more to people that don't drive trucks than to, uh, than to truckers themselves, because obviously they're the ones who encounter this every day, but it will allow you to understand why why they do that so so why does a trucker let's say uh the number the first one here on the list is you know why do they why do they ride next to each other and try to block traffic on the expressway well it's not that they're trying to block traffic <laughs> right that's not the uh, that's not what their 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 goal is and you may be thinking that while well, they're trying to um uh oh, what do you call it? pace traffic you know they're trying to uh trying to kind of set the law of the road you know that that's not necessarily what they're doing as, as trucker Mike points out, you know, these trucks, a lot of them are governed at certain speeds. They can't go above, you know, whether that's 62 miles an hour or 64 miles an hour. And he uses that as, as an example because that comes into play here in just a bit. But uh, let's say anywhere between 60 and 65 miles per hour, maybe. Mm-hmm. So there's a faster truck and a slower truck. And I don't know if you've ever driven a governed truck. Have you ever driven a governed vehicle? Uh No, I have not. Well, you can think about this in a simple way, I guess, maybe. If you've ever driven a, uh, a go-kart mm-hmm. or on a go-kart track, and you're thinking, like, well, this is a long straight. Why can't I go any faster? That's the limit. It, it You could be right. pushing the gas down as hard as you can. But after a certain threshold. It just stops. Yeah. yeah well, it doesn't stop. It it. F- fails to progress any further, maybe. You know, it's, uh, uh, that's the maximum speed. And these are set at 60, 65 in some cases. But when you have two trucks on the road that are governed at, let's say, as he said, 62 and 64, and they're next to each other, when when one that's faster, the 64 mile an hour truck, tries to pass the 62 mile an hour truck, Mm -hmm. you can imagine how slow that already is. But then you start to factor in other things, like maybe the road starts to rise slightly in front of them. You know, there's a little bit of an incline. And that means that even though the truck may have a faster governed speed, it, maybe it has a heavier load and that backs it down. So it, it's unable to climb the hill quite as quickly. So there's a right. point where they kind of even out. And that is so frustrating to, you know, us four wheelers, I guess, you know, the ones that are on the road <laughs> thinking like, what are they doing? They're blocking, you know, the two lanes here. It's supposed to be a quick pass, right? Right. Doesn't happen that way. You can't pass truck with another truck that fast. So, you know, it's not that they're trying to be jerks, they're not trying to stick next to each other, you know, and in some way to you know, laughing at uh you know the, the people on the road. It's that it's a situation where it's it's just uh, it's unavoidable really. Right. I mean it's it's an unforeseen circumstance, you know, that the truck did rise or the the truck has a heavier load and it can't get by faster. So again, it's not them trying to be jerks. They want to go faster but they just can't.
3: Right. They're they're a hard technological limits
1: yes exactly right and it's a situation that they don't like they don't like driving next to other trucks by the way because there's not a whole lot of room there they have to really be focused on staying in their lane watching out for other vehicles around them they're passing et etc so they don't like that situation as well The the next one is that they ask why why do truck drivers cut off cars and i laugh you know just about at every one of these mm-hmm. why do truck drivers cut off cars and it's not that they're cutting off cars it's because They're trying to take advantage of the situation well they can because later on it's not going to be any better. It's, it's always bad for trucks. How long, how often are you going to find a 70 foot opening in traffic? They have to take that shot when they've got it. And if there's a, if there's an opening, they have to go for it. If, if that's the lane that they need to be in. And it's, you know, oftentimes the space is small, but they have to make that decision because later there's just not going to be that opportunity. And to be frank, a lot of, you know, car drivers aren't going to give them the opportunity. Who wants to allow You know, just to stop in traffic and allow, you know, 80 feet to go in for, you know, to develop in front of you there because, you know, other cars are going to fill up that spot. Yeah. So if you allow 80 feet of space in front of you, you know, from a dead stop, that takes a while. And hopefully the truck's going to get in there. But not a lot of people are willing to do that.
3: You know, the rough part is, too, this this has happened to multiple people, myself included in a traffic jam. You're feeling, you know, hospitable, charitable. Yeah. And and you say, I'm going to let. This poor schmo who's just trying to get this Freightliner through traffic, I'm going to let him get enough room to get in this lane. Exactly. But as soon as you create that space... Like five BMWs swoop in. <laughs> it happens. It really does. It does.
1: And so you're trying to be nice, but what happens is you end up being five cars behind and the truck's still not in. So that happens. But the author of this article points out that even if one person a day allows him into traffic, it just makes his day. Like, you know, it can just be a, a bright point. You know, that that someone is watching out for him on the road because it doesn't happen very often. So yeah. if you get an opportunity to allow a truck in, as he points out, it's not going to slow you down all that much. I mean, you may be a couple of car lengths behind, but we know that doesn't amount to much when you finally get to your exit at all,
3: really. Yeah, and also, honestly, if you're already stuck in gridlock. Yeah. You're you're not changing the amount of time it's going to take you to get through.
1: No, no. And if you watch the aggressive behavior of people that are stuck in, in gridlock, it, it's sometimes funny because half the time you end up in front of that person, no matter what kind of effort they're putting, you know, putting forth to get, you know, to cut in between cars and uh, you know try to dodge whatever kind of traffic right. they got, get get into a faster lane. So as he says, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really gain you a whole lot, and it it can actually honestly truly make a trucker's day to let them in let them merge when when it's necessary so here's another one um why do truckers get into the left lane even if they're not passing anybody now this is a this Ooh. is an interesting one cuz a lot of people will wonder this right the the real truth behind this is they're not trying to block the fast lane or anything or slow everybody else down and laugh again the thing is that they're taught to look very far down the road and they've got this real high vantage point that most cars and trucks don't have. I mean they're significantly higher than even some of the big trucks or SUVs. So you've got this great vantage point. They might see an emergency vehicle, they may see something in the road, some debris, mm-hmm. you know some other situations going on, uh, someone changing a tire that's down the road that you might not see yet. So If they see a hazard, as soon as they're able to get over, their training tells them that they're supposed to get over. And, you know, in larger cities where there are three lanes... The truck drivers are taught to use the center lane so that they have, uh, you know, a direction to go either way should something happen. And that's called the Smith system. And the Smith system is something that they're taught in a defensive driving course. And a lot of drivers have to take these defensive driving courses in order to uh, drive for whatever, you know, company that they're driving for. Most required, a lot of them required, I should say. They teach them that it is a lot safer to use that center lane again so that, you know, so should something happen on the left or right, they've got right. a direction to go either way. They're not forced to one way or the other or just smashing into somebody so you know if you've got a if you see a truck in the middle lane and you've got a left or right lane choose to pass on the left always because they've got bigger blind spots on the right hand side and and those you know signs or stickers are on the back of that truck for a reason right um you know those ones that say that if i can't see if you can't see my mirrors i can't see you that's absolutely true and Mm -hmm. and the blind spots on the right side are far greater than the blind spots on the left side of a truck so Always pass trucks, especially trucks, on the left side if possible.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. I'm actually, um, especially if I'm on a, uh, a little two-lane road or something, I used to until until actually my uncle told me to knock it off. I used to be one of those people who would just wait for a passing opportunity and then just gun it yeah. to get around them. But now, you know, that I've mellowed out a little bit, I'm fine being behind them and giving them enough distance, because uh, one author described semis as sixty-foot-long highway missiles. <laughs> yes. and, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of force there, so there's a lot of weight to stop. Right, so I I try not to not to linger too close to any any big rig. You know, mm-hmm. just because it's better it's better for the operators if I stay out of the way.
1: You know what? That kind of touches on another item here on this list, and I'm going to jump ahead, you know, a little bit out of order, but, um, it's, it's okay because uh, we talked about weight and and how hard it is to stop something like this, right? The, uh, you know, it's like a missile on the road. A lot of people will think that, you know, trucks have, (laughs) they have 18 wheels. They're going to have 18 brakes, right? Not the case. They do have 10, they do have 10 brakes, however. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have 10 brakes. Uh, so that's still a lot of brakes, but the problem is that means for a fully loaded truck, each brake has to stop something like 8,000 pounds. Now, think about that. I mean, your car is probably like, you know, 3,000 pounds or 3,500 pounds or something like that. You've got four disc brakes that stop that. They've right. got, they've got 10 brakes that, that each have to stop 8,000 pounds. So, um, you can see that, you know, it's very difficult for them to stop. And they're also thinking about things like, um, you know the uh the the load in the back how it might shift if they have to slam on the brakes or you know make an abrupt maneuver so um you know, that that's one of the reasons why and this is the question here is that why do trucks sometimes run yellow or even red lights you know they have to, they have a point of no return they decide right. when it's safe to stop and when it's not safe to stop you know there's a point where they say anyway whatever happens here i I've, I've got to go through there and they may blow their horn they may flash their lights or something mm-hmm. but they're letting you know I can't stop this rig in time safely. It's safer for me to continue on through. And hopefully everybody's paying enough attention to, to allow that to happen without any kind of incident. It doesn't always happen, but um again, that point of no return is something that each truck driver has to think of. And, you know, that also has to do with the turns, like the speed that they take turns. Yeah. Um, you know the stopping and you know how how, how the loads are, are you know set up and everything in the back so when they're on curves give them a little bit of leeway in that you know they do have to take them a lot slower you know the posted signs that no one else pays attention to you mm-hmm. know in the cars you know 35 mile an hour turn or 25 mile an hour turn truckers will often take that at a you know even 10 miles an hour below that posted limit because they understand that everything in the back is shifting so dramatically and if even if like the, the bottom box of a low you know a stack of produce gets crushed right uh that means that the whole stack is then at risk for tipping over and that could be a lot of money and again you know sometimes as i said they're carrying you know half a million dollars worth of produce that's that could be a problem i guess if you know they open the gates or they open the door and a lot of that is crushed or destroyed and it's it's unusable so um you know it's in their best interest to to keep things you know slow and steady and get mm-hmm. it there safe and and you know all intact i suppose and you'd appreciate that too as a consumer because you know the stuff gets to you undamaged yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, oh, here's one that we had talked about on our, um, on our road trip. Uh, oh, we, what's this? We passed in the middle of the night, we passed so many trucks that were pulled off on the side of the road or on off ramps. Uh huh. And we, you know, we knew what was going on. There was a big storm that was happening. So that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, truckers will often pull off in, in heavy storms if they know they're coming. And that's kind of a cue for other drivers to know there's some serious weather coming. But at night, a lot of truckers have to kind of find, somewhere to pull their truck off there's a, a huge shortage of parking at least here in the united states for trucks mm-hmm. and i didn't know this i didn't realize that you know there just aren't enough truck stops there just aren't enough um, even rest areas for trucks to pull over you know that sometimes they have designated sleeping areas for trucks but in a lot of states and a lot of parts of the country they don't so they have to find wherever they can and a lot of times that's on or off ramps just on the side and they have to sleep there Just, Mm -hmm. just let the truck idle overnight and, uh, it's not the most comfortable thing for them. It's dangerous. They don't like it, but it's something they have to do because they can't find anywhere else to park. So if you see that happening, realize that they don't choose to be there. That's just where they end up. They have to, have to end up, I suppose, overnight. And then the last one on this list, Ben, is something that, um, I don't know. This is something that we have talked about so many times. It's kind of a moral dilemma. Hmm. and this the person that wrote this again trucker mike writes in and says that you know there was a time when truckers were known as the knights of the highway you know they would, would help out anybody that was in a bad situation they would sure. stop and pick up hitchhikers they would help people with a flat tire you know whatever If they happened upon an accident exactly they would be sometimes the first responders because they're the ones on the scene but that's not the case anymore now a lot of companies actually have policies against stopping to assist motorists so you would think that um you know that the, the, those kind of I don't know, the rules of the, not really the rules of the road, but the unspoken rules of the road, you know, that you help out a motorist that needs assistance. A lot of, a lot of us adhere to that. You know, if you see somebody that needs a tire change, well, we've talked about this probably at, at length, if not in too much depth (laughs) in other, in other podcasts. So I'll skip over that. But as this guy points out, as Trucker Mike points out, a lot of times the cargo can be in the millions of dollars, you know, so, Mm -hmm. um, it's easy to see why it's, it's not a very smart move for, a trucker to pull over in the middle of the night to help somebody that, you know, has a flat tire, So you know, because it may not be that it may be a setup.
3: Well, yeah, times are changing, man. The common practice of stopping to help somebody on a roadside has really dropped off in this country. Yeah.
1: And again, this is another one of those bad apple situations that, mm-hmm. the, you know, a lot of people truly do need help. And and again, he says. You know, if we, if we see something like that, a lot of times we'll call and alert, you know, the, the local authorities that something's going on. There's a car broken down at this mile marker and, you know, go check it out and see if they need help. I can't stop. I'm un, un, unable to stop. Um, but but they say, they do say if they witness an accident, you know, some companies have said, if you're not involved, don't stop. But if you're involved, of course you want to stop. But the other thing is, okay, there's all different levels of this too, Ben. It's that, you know, if, if they see something like that and someone's hurt, obviously most of these guys are going to stop and 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 assist in whatever the way they can you know they don't want to see anybody suffer they don't want to see right. anybody that's you know going to die because they have to get their load to you know Walmart or Target or wherever it's going um but but they also say that you know they have to keep their wits about them they have to Understand that, you know, maybe in some cases it's best for law enforcement to kind of take over and, and, you know, to to just alert the authorities or somebody that can do something that's not in a position that they're in. Mm-hmm. So this Knights of the, uh, what do I say, Knights of the Highway, yeah. uh, that code doesn't really apply anymore. But uh, that's kind of sad that that's kind of gone away and, and you know, the reason that that's gone away.
3: And speaking of code, camaraderie, and community, I would like to bring this, the, the last thing I have for today, for our, our intro to an inside look behind the curtain of the trucking industry and it's this convoys not just an amazing song not just an an okay movie but the the actual the actual phenomenon of a convoy so a lot of people know it through the song probably more than know the actual practice a convoy is any group of vehicles I travel together, uh, to exploit the old truism about strength in numbers, safety in numbers too. Sure.
1: So a convoy could be any type of vehicle, right? Yeah. A
3: convoy could be planes. It could be boats. It could be a bunch of guys on pogo sticks, man. <laughs> it's still technically a convoy. Okay. And, uh, and, and I have not seen a pogo stick convoy. <laughs> Nor have I. I don't know if there, there's probably some. There's probably something like yeah, that. It's probably out like here. a pogo stick festival or something. Sure. I don't know. Let, let me know if it's in your town I'll see if I can make it. But the long and short of it is this practice existed way before motor vehicles. Nowadays, at least in English, convoys are almost, if, if they're associated with something aside from, again, just an astonishing piece of music, then they are, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Uh Then, then they're going to be associated with tractor trailers. and, this did come out of a a move for protection because here's what happens. The United States, when they had a national fifty-five mile per hour speed limit, eighteen wheelers would become the prime targets of speed traps. Ah, oh, okay. So in the in the film convoy, the sheriff, who's played by um Ernest Borgnine, mm-hmm. did I get his name correct? I think so. Okay. It's a little before my time. Yeah. But uh Oh, rub it in. <laughs> but one of the things I couldn't help it. One of the things that the sheriff character does is goes on the CB pretending to be a trucker and telling people it's okay to speed so that he can bust them.
1: Uh, but rubber duck is on to him. That's yeah. Chris, Chris Christofferson, right? That's right. Chris Christofferson. Yeah. Christopherson.
3: yeah. Well, you know your stuff, man. Uh, a little bit. So the rationale here was that truckers already, even at this time, had really difficult schedules to keep because of the timeline. Yeah. And – to reach the destination on time, just the way the math worked out, they had to go faster than 55. So the idea was that multiple rigs could run together and if a speed trap occurred or the police chased them, they would only be able to get one at most. And then also you can conserve fuel by drafting. Yeah. Just like hypermiler. Sure. Which, you know, if you're listening to this and you are a trucker, I hope you're enjoying the episode, and I hope no one's drafting off you because that that would drive me crazy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: but you know what? Sometimes I think that again, trucks from the same company will do that. They'll draft in a a kind of a train, I guess. Yeah. uh, So that you know that they can conserve fuel, they can move across at a faster rate. Um, I've seen before where trucks from the same company are seemingly three, four feet apart. And they're just screaming down the highway. I've seen that. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. Because now it seems like in the area that we're in, there's just not enough uh, open road to do something like that. Right. But I've seen that in the past when I was younger on, you know, road trips out west or wherever mm-hmm. that, you know, they're just, it's hard to describe, but it does become almost like a train. It's like they're connected, but they're not connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are so close, just so trusting that the other driver knows what they're doing. They're not, they're not anticipating any kind of abrupt stop. You know, they just know they've got open free road ahead of them. And they're on their way. Uh, it's, it's kind of a cool thing to, to witness, to see it. But you know, the ones that I've seen have been very small, not anything that, you know, like not 50 trucks in a row. I'm talking like, you know, four or five trucks at the most.
3: I've got one cool thing. So we focused on the U.S. for most of this episode. Yeah. There's one thing I just couldn't resist related to convoys. Okay. okay what's that? So in several European countries, there's special rights for marked convoys. They have to be treated like a single vehicle. So, if you and our super producers and I are all driving in Norway, Greece, Italy, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and a couple other places, then if, like, if you're in the lead and we go through an intersection as a marked convoy and the light changes, the rest of us still go. No kidding. No kidding.
1: That's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say that, you know, if one gets pulled over, they all get tickets. But it sounds like this is something that's, uh, that, that, I mean, it, it must be a common thing, right? Well. How do you know, how do you know that there's
3: four more trucks coming through that intersection when you see one? They're, they're marked. So they have like a uniform marking. Oh. So you can, you can tell they're a gang. You can tell they're a clique. <laughs> so uh, they,
1: they've got tats.
3: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> or yeah. vests, maybe. They got, <laughs> maybe. they got the 1% vest on. <laughs> they, they've all got. <laughs> They've all got stupid hats. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> They've all got old hats. Okay. Gotcha. Right. Brought it back around. Yeah. Um so if other drivers overtake the convoy, you can't you can't cut into it. You if you're passing that last car, you have to pass the other four or five as well. Oh, funeral
1: rules, I guess. Maybe, yeah, kinda. Right? Of. Like uh, funeral procession rules,
3: I should say. Right. But that's more of a courtesy, I think. Yeah, I most think things. so. And um, law. Yeah. But the this most commonly occurs um, with The military, like during the Cold War, most of these convoys would be military in nature, Mm -hmm. which, of course, if you're a civilian driver and you see a bunch of clearly military vehicles going by, I think most people would already – just sort of intuitively understand you shouldn't try to cut in the middle. Of that.
1: You know, I see that happen here on the, on the U.S. highways a lot. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're traveling between bases. You know, they've got all the, uh, the Humvees. Right. And, um, you know, or, you know, whatever types of vehicles they've got, you know, the, uh, f- fuel trucks, that type of thing that they can drive on highways. They're driving very slow, but it's, uh, you know, they're in full gear, full military gear, and they're all traveling together, all camouflage vehicles or, you know, the, the tan vehicles or whatever. But yeah, there's no way I'm cutting in between. A couple of Humvees, you know, with with all these guys yeah. <laughs> that are clearly from, you know, going from one base to the next base or, you know, whatever airport they're headed to or something. Yeah, there's a, there's something a little bit intimidating
3: about it, you know, mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't want to disrupt that. And NGOs can also uh, exercise these rights. So it's not a it's not a super common thing. We have to have legal permission. We can't just all like slap a red stripe on the hood of our respective vehicles and then say, all right, we're a convoy now. Yeah. But how cool would that be? Yeah, it would be cool. So hopefully this has shed a little bit of light on the trucking industry for non-truckers. You know, some of the, some of the statistics and the numbers are pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. And I know that we've only kind of, you know, touched on a few of the, uh, I guess maybe FAQs that you might have as you're driving down the, the highway, but we'll probably dive into, you know, some more of the, uh, I guess mechanicals of of semis and sure. uh, and some of the 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 origin stories of of some of the the semi companies because yeah. I'm sure that there's going to be some interesting ones. We just have to to find them. We have to dig them out and find find out what makes them really a, an intriguing story. What makes them interesting?
3: And here's where we're looking for your help. If you are associated with the trucking industry, if you are a trucker, uh, and you have. Some stories or some things that you would like your fellow car stuff listeners to know, then find us on Facebook and Twitter where we're carstuff hsw uh, and you can also while you're on the internet, check out every episode we've ever done on our website carstuffshow.com and there's a lot a lot you can I think you we're almost to the point where you can just type in any car name.
1: It seems like it it's almost like a like an encyclopedia. Doesn't it's getting it? there, man. It's it nice. There. It's kind of nice to be able to say that, you know. Like we can, we've we've touched on a lot, like so much that you can just about type in any word and something will come up that that is related
3: in some way. Well, we've, you know, we've bumbled a few of those. Well, <laughs> bumbled I bumbled through a, few. Well, a couple, sure. I mean, <laughs> and it may be that
1: you know, you know. Here's the other thing: like you can type in the words, you may not know that it's associated with it, but if you if you're uh, if you're able to keep this type of thing sorted out in your head, you may say like, "Oh yeah, you did mention this in that episode," mm-hmm. but it's not something that you could uh, maybe do a word search for in Google. Right. So, so that's the benefit of maybe listening to every single episode of Car Stuff. See, that's so that's why we get people to listen to every single episode, Ben, so that they can kind of file it away and oh, then they boy. can bring it up at a party or something. You know, with uh, like a like a little known fact or maybe mm-hmm. a, a stat, a spec. That's uh, that's impressive to other uh you know, other people at the at party. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe that's all it's good for. I don't know.
3: Yeah, that's a that that's a pretty good pitch, Scott. Well, you know, that's a, no, that's kind of a weak pitch. But
1: it's a <laughs> but, it, but but that would take you like a thousand hours to go through all. It
3: that would stuff. be a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's close to a thousand hours. It would be a long like yeah you could get your pilot license multiple times we, we
1: have listeners that have listened to the entire catalog yeah from start to finish some Absolutely. that have some that have got a late start to the game have gone back and listened to our classic episodes i guess yep. all the way through today man I, I give them a lot of credit we should appreciate... have some
3: kind of award
1: uh,
3: <laughs> how would we ever prove it how do we ever prove it yeah i don't know this is getting complicated but we'll yeah. work on it let us know if you have suggestions for that too and what would the award be that's a great idea. That's a great thing for us to figure out. Oh, yeah. Well, if you're asking me right now, yeah. I would say a Convoy t-shirt, but I, I think maybe I'm just getting a little carried away. How
1: about a firm handshake?
3: A firm handshake? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you think the prize should be for checking out every episode. Let us know your experience in the world of trucking and Most importantly, if you would like to take a page from your fellow listeners' book and suggest a topic you would like us to cover in an upcoming episode, we're all ears. You can write to us directly. We are CarStuff at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com.